0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of Fireside Stories, Road Trip Edition. My name is Mac and I'll be your host today. We would a special request for a longer format to take episode 36 on the go. So grab a travel cup for your milk and bag up those cookies. Here we go. The Dead Sea Squirrels, Squirreled Away, by Mike Nauraki Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Ephesians 6, 2-3 Chapter 1, Israel, Near the Dead Sea present day. Michael and Justin had been best friends ever since kindergarten, and when our story begins, they were a few days away from being fifth graders at Walnut Creek Elementary School. On this exact day, however, they were exploring a cave in the Middle East. If you're wondering where the Middle East is, look for East on a map and go to the Middle If you can't find east, just take a right at the Mediterranean Sea. And if you're curious about why Michael and Justin were there, we'll get to that later. What is that? Michael questioned, pointing his flashlight at something on a small ledge popping out from the rock wall a few feet above Justin's head. You think it's some kind of animal? Whatever it is, it's not moving, Justin replied. Maybe it's a bat, Michael suggested. Bats hang upside down, Justin said. Maybe it's a dead bat. That would be cool, Michael grinned. Justin grimaced. That would be disgusting. You do know a pet bat would make us the coolest kids in the fifth grade, right? Michael said. A dead pet bat? Justin raised his eyebrows. As the two friends debated the value of a dead bat, the alarm on Justin's wristwatch went off. Oh no, Justin said, looking down at the rubbery band around his wrist. We have to go. Michael stood on his tiptoes. Give me a quick boost so I can see what's up there. We don't have time. If we're late for dinner again, your dad's gonna kill us. Relax, we're not gonna be late, Michael assured his friend. Just give me a boost. Justin knew Michael well enough to realize that arguing with him would only waste more time, so he reluctantly assumed the boosting position. Michael placed his right shoe in Justin's cupped hand, then stepped up and wedged his left shoe into a small crack in the cave wall. As Michael pushed himself up with his left leg towards the mystery ledge, his foot slipped out of the crack he fell face-first into the wall. Justin held helplessly onto Michael's right foot as Michael's face slid down the gravelly wall and onto the dust cave floor. Oh! Michael groaned, his voice muffled by the dirt. A second alarm sounded on Justin's watch. Time's up, let's go! Chapter Two Nothing bothered Justin more than being late. If he wasn't at least 30 minutes early to school, he started to sweat. Inside of 15 minutes, he broke out into hives. The one time he was five minutes tardy, he nearly exploded. Running toward the cave entrance in danger of being late for dinner, the second night in a row, Justin was in complete panic mode. That's probably why he ran straight past the turn he should have made. Michael, jogging carelessly behind his friend and digging cave pebbles out of his nose, assumed Justin knew where he was going. After a number of minutes of running past unrecognizable cave features, the panicked, late feeling in Justin's stomach gave way to a different kind of horror. He stopped cold. Michael, whose right pinky was reaching for the very last pebble nodged deep in his right nostril, ran right into Justin, hitting his elbow against Justin's back and forcing the pebble even deeper up his nose. (laughs) He grunted with the impact, which forced him to swallow the pebble. Oh, thanks, he said. We're lost, Justin whispered. We're what? Michael asked, we're lost. I don't even know where we are. I must have missed the turn. That's not good, Michael said casually. The boys looked at each other. Ah! They screamed in unison. Being lost in a cave, whether it's in the Middle East or the middle of Tennessee, is most certainly not good. Fortunately, they would tell their friends when they were back at school later that year, We had two years of junior ranger patrol training. In reality, Michael just happened to remember the story of Hansel and Gretel. Why don't we just follow our footsteps back to where we're supposed to turn, Michael said. Like breadcrumbs. Oh yeah, good idea, Justin said, looking slightly calmer. Thirty minutes later, and one hour late for dinner, the boys spotted daylight. Chapter 3. Michael! Whenever Michael heard his name yelled, he knew he was in trouble, and he heard his name yelled a lot. According to his little sister Jane, Michael was the most used word in the English language. But this time, Michael didn't mind hearing it. Being in trouble was nothing compared to being lost in a cave. Dad! Michael ran to hug his father. "'I'm so happy to see you.' "'What were you doing? "'What were you thinking? "'Why were you—' Michael's dad stammered. "'You can't just wander into a strange cave by yourself.' "'We were exploring,' Michael said pathetically. "'Besides, Justin was with me.' "'It's also a strange cave for Justin!' his dad yelled. "'I know, I know. "'I'm sorry.' Michael said. "'I'm sorry too, Dr. Gomez,' said Justin. "'If I lost you two on our next-to-last day here, "'I would be in big trouble with your mothers. "'Both of you are grounded until we ship out in the morning. "'Go to your tent,' Michael's dad ordered. Usually, when kids are grounded, they are usually sent to their rooms in a house, so this may require further explanation.' You see, Michael's dad was a college professor studying people who had lived in the Middle East thousands of years ago. He was working in an area close to where many of the stories from the Bible took place. From Joshua leading the Israelites into the Promised Land, to David hiding from King Saul. From Elijah going up into heaven in a chariot of fire, to John baptizing Jesus. Dr. Gomez thought coming along on the trip would be a good learning experience for his son. Michael, who was always up for adventure, liked the idea, but he wasn't crazy about spending an entire summer away from his best friend. So he convinced his dad to invite Justin too. For two months, Michael and Justin shared a tent in the desert beside the Dead Sea in Israel. If you're wondering why it's named the Dead Sea, the answer is very simple. The water is so salty, fish can't survive in it. Have you ever tasted ocean water? The Dead Sea is 10 times saltier. Not only that, but the Dead Sea is smack dab in the middle of a desert, so the land around it is hot, dry, and dusty. Very few plants or animals can survive in the harsh environment, but the land is still beautiful and, most importantly, fun for a couple of ten-year-olds. When they weren't busy helping to lug broken pieces of old pottery around, they spent their time capturing scorpions in pickle jars, rolling down sand dunes, and, of course, exploring. Michael, I've told you before never to go into a cave without an experienced guide. Dr. Gomez leaned down and got eye to eye with his son. I love that you love to explore, but it's important that you listen to me. It's for your own good. Besides, I want what's best for you. Understand? I understand, Michael said as they returned to camp. Chapter 4 Grounded on our last night here, Michael whined as he lay on his cot, sketching. Well, we wouldn't be if you would have listened to your dad in the first place, Justin replied. It's been a fun summer, though. Hard to believe that we'll be back in a boring old classroom in a couple of days. Yep. Michael sketched quietly for a moment, then asked, Hey, when we entered the cave, did we take two rights and a left or three rights? Uh, three rights, I think, Justin replied. Um, what are you doing? Drawing a map. Justin knew Michael well enough to know that this could not be good. Michael, you are not going back to that cave. Michael showed Justin his cave map. Check it out. Here's the ledge. Don't you want to know what could be up there? It could be a treasure. What if we made the discovery of the summer? Wouldn't that be amazing? We don't bring me into this. And you are not going back to that cave Justin crossed his arms. Remember what your dad said? Never go into a cave without an experienced guide. Those were his exact words. Exactly. I've been into that cave and now I have a map of it. If that's not experience, I don't know what is, Michael reasoned. Do us both a favor and forget about whatever's up on that ledge, Justin said. I'm not sure I can, Michael replied. We leave tomorrow and we may never come back. What if I go my whole life wondering what was up there? I think the real question is, are you going to listen to your dad or not, Justin said. He blew out the lantern between them on their cots and rolled over. Good night. Good night, Michael replied, but his mind was racing and he was not feeling the least bit sleepy. So many questions, he thought. Chapter 5 When a boy's sense of curiosity outweighs his common sense, He can sometimes find himself alone in a cave in the Middle East in the middle of the night. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it usually means trouble. As hard as Michael tried to fall asleep, and as much as his conscience told him to stay in bed, in the end he decided that he just had to know what was up on that ledge. I'm the son of a scientist, he reasoned to himself as he plodded through the cave with the only sound of his footsteps on the dusty stone floor to keep him company. Discoveries in my blood. These thoughts helped him feel a little better. Conveniently, they also let him blame his dad for his decision not to listen to his dad. Squeeze. The loud squeal of a bat pierced the silence. Ah! The louder scream of a frightened boy followed. Michael dropped both his flashlight and his map. He heard the creature's wings flapping behind him towards the mouth of the cave as he leaned against the rock wall, breathing heavily. The fact that a dead bat is what Michael was expecting to find at the end of his quest didn't do much to lessen his surprise. It's just a bat. Bats live in caves, Michael said out loud, reassuring himself. He picked his flashlight back up, located the map, and was soon on his way again. It turns out that Michael's memory and his map drawing skills were pretty good. After about 20 minutes, three right turns, two left turns, and one more squealing bat encounter, Michael found himself exactly where he hoped to be, at the foot of the ledge. Justin will be amazed when he sees what I bring back, Michael thought proudly as he took a length of rope out of his backpack. Holding tightly to one end, he tossed the other end of the rope up and over a rock that jutted out from the ledge. It looped smoothly over its target and fell softly at his feet. This is almost too easy, Michael said out loud, impressed with his own rope skills. Yep, exploring is definitely in my blood. He anchored one end of the rope to a heavy rock on the floor of the cave, put the flashlight in his mouth, and began his climb. In no time, he found himself peeking over the top of the ledge, his eyes going wide as he made his discovery. If he hadn't had a flashlight in his mouth, he would have said, whoa. But since he did have a flashlight in his mouth, all that came out was, ah. Chapter six. You guys up? Michael's dad called from outside the tent. Justin cracked open his eyes to see the dim light of daybreak. He managed to groan out in response. Okay, let's get packed up. We've got a long day, Dr. Gomez said. Come on, Michael, you heard him. Justin flopped an arm onto Michael's cot. His hand landed with a thud on an empty sleeping bag. Justin shot up, suddenly 100% awake. Oh, no, he shouted without thinking. Everything all right? Dr. Gomez called out. Justin started to panic. He needed to buy some time. Uh, yeah, everything's fine, he called out. Maybe Michael got up to go to the bathroom, Justin thought. No, his dad would have seen him. Justin's eyes shot around the tent. Michael's boots, backpack, flashlight, all gone. He must have snuck away in the cave during the night. The fact that he wasn't back yet could not be good. Maybe he hasn't been gone for a long time and will be here any minute. Justin sat back down with a thud on his cot. He knew better. Michael slept like a rock. He had to have left before he fell asleep, which meant he had been gone all night. Boys? Dr. Gomez called out again. Up and at him! Now Justin had a decision to make. Should he cover for his buddy? If Michael went back into that cave, his dad would be furious, he thought. Or should he sound the alarm? If he's lost in that cave, his dad being upset will be the least of his worries. Justin knew what he had to do. The zipper on the tent door slid down and Justin popped his head out. Um, Dr. Gomez? Chapter seven, Michael's plan was going so well. His map had led him exactly to what he had been looking for. Ew, gross, Michael said, when he hung from the rope with one hand, he held his flashlight in the other hand, illuminating a couple of dried out and long gone mammals, each about the size of a loaf of bread. For Michael, For like a lot of ten-year-olds, gross meant pretty much the same thing as cool. There was no way he wouldn't be taking these creatures back home with him. He placed the flashlight in his teeth to free up a hand, then reached around and unzipped the top of his backpack. No sooner had he stashed the creature in his pack Then another bat came flapping past his face in the dark. Squeak! Ah! Michael screamed. The thing about ah! Is that your mouth has to be open all the way to say it. And the thing about having your mouth all the way open is that anything that you're holding in your teeth will fall out. Crash! the flashlight hit the rocky cave floor, shattering the bulb and plunging Michael into complete darkness. If Michael had been a truly experienced cave explorer, he would have known to bring an extra flashlight, but he was not, and he did not. Oh, Michael said, clinging to his rope. If anything is scarier than a random bat flying in your face, It's being suspended eight feet in the air in total darkness. Michael's first reaction was to reach for the ledge he remembered last seen in front of him. Bad idea. Thud. Michael hit the floor. Oh, he groaned. As much as falling hurt, at least he'd gotten it over with. His only other option had been to get stuck up on the ledge. Michael felt around for his backpack, which had landed a few feet over. I need to get out of here. His map was still in his backpack. A map that you can't see isn't at all useful, but at least Michael had drawn it. He reasoned his best chance would be to retrace his steps from memory. He knew how many turns to take, but could he remember when to take them? Or would he just get more lost in the cave? Maybe he should stay put and count on Justin figuring out where he went and leading a rescue team to him. On the other hand, if he found his way out on his own, no one, especially his dad, would ever know he'd been gone. Michael made the decision. I gotta get back, he said out loud the words bouncing off the cave walls. He wobbled to his feet, slung on his backpack, and stumbled forward into the darkness. Chapter 8 Dr. Gomez, followed by Justin and a handful of workers, ran towards the mouth of the cave. "'How long has he been gone?' Michael's dad shouted over his shoulder to Justin. "'I don't know,' Justin answered. "'Probably all night.' Break up into three groups, Dr. Gomez ordered. Justin, you come with me. Think you can remember where you were? I think so. Three groups of searchers, led by experienced cave guides with plenty of flashlights, entered the cave. Yell if you find him, Dr. Gomez shouted as the group split up and headed into separate corridors in search of Michael. Chapter 9 Michael walked sideways with his hands stretched out in front of him feeling his way along the rocky cave wall in the darkness. He had no idea what time it was, but he felt like he had been lost for hours. He'd taken what he'd thought were all the correct turns, but here he still was, lost in the dark with no way of knowing if he was moving toward or away from the exit. Maybe I should take a nap, he thought. He'd been up all night, and he was exhausted. The thought of a giant cave spider or boy-eating mole discovering him in his sleep, however, was enough to keep his eyes open and his feet moving. Why didn't I listen to my dad? Michael said out loud, his voice echoing through the corridors of the cave. I wouldn't be in this mess if I had. I don't even care anymore if I get in trouble. Dad can ground me for a year. I just want to go home." Suddenly he heard a noise coming from the distance. It sounded like legs scurrying along. Lots of legs. He froze, terrified. His heart pounding so hard he could feel it in his ears. What if it was a giant cave spider? it sounded like it had too many legs to be a boy-eating mole. A narrow beam of light appeared in the wall about 50 feet in front of Michael. Because he'd been in total darkness for hours, just that little bit of light hurt his eyes. But it could only mean one thing. Thank you, God, he prayed. I'm here, I'm here, he shouted. Two men rounded the corner carrying flashlights. Light flooded the cave corridor as they approached the tired, dirty, and squinting boy. Chapter 10 Michael, Dr. Gomez shouted as he emerged from the cave with Justin. They ran over to where Michael was sitting with the men who had rescued him. Dr. Gomez hugged his son tightly. Thank goodness you're all right. You had me worried sick. I'm so sorry, Dad, Michael said. I should have listened to you. Dr. Gomez took Michael's face in his hands and looked him straight in the eyes. We're going to need to talk about this, he said sternly. Yes, sir. Beep, beep. A small car drove up the rocky path outside the caves, its rooftop packed with luggage and crates. The driver leaned out the window and called, Dr. Gomez, are we going? If we hurry, we can still make our flight. Come on, boys. Dr. Gomez jumped into the front seat of the car while Michael and Justin piled into the back and they sped off to the airport in a cloud of dust. After a loud and extremely bumpy ride to reach the main gate, Michael noticed a glare coming from the seat next to him. He turned his head slowly towards Justin and smiled sheepishly. Sorry. "'You should be,' Justin barked in a loud whisper, hoping to keep their conversation confined to the back seat. "'I hope you're happy. "'What could have been so important that you had to go back into that cave to get it? "'Do you realize you're going to be grounded for a year, right?' Michael wiggled out of his backpack and unzipped the top, making sure not to draw any attention from the front seat where his dad was busy talking to the driver about the fastest route to the airport. Check this out. He reached inside his backpack and pulled out what appeared to be a bone-dry squirrel covered in a thick layer of salt. Ew, what's that? Justin got as far away from the object as he could. I think it's a squirrel, Michael replied. Look, I've got another one. He pulled another dried rodent out of his bag. Ew, Justin said again, you have two? That's double gross. Get rid of those things. Who knows what kind of nasty disease we could catch. No way, Michael patted the squirrels. I'm bringing them home as souvenirs, mementos of our awesome summer. You can't do that, Justin said. Why not? It's probably not even legal. Smuggling squirrels across international borders? It's not like taking a live plant or an artifact, Michael argued. It's just a couple of petrified squirrels. Plus, they're so dry and salty, no germs could live on them. Justin shook his head disapprovingly as Michael stuffed the stiff rodents back into his backpack.